Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is Thursday, the 4th of February, 2021, and this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and I sort of shocked myself a second ago when I said this is like Thursday, the 4th of February, 2021. Uh, Christmas is almost here, Dave. <laughs> well, if you want to be ranking for it, now's the time. Get started. Well, you know, I want to be. I want to be looking forward. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, just our, our our early warning system here. Um, I want to be looking forward to Christmas though, because uh, a I haven't seen my mom since last Christmas, and b I'm hoping to see her, my family, and everybody sometime around next Christmas. And um, I think you know we're not out of the woods. COVID's very real. Transmissions, all that. You know, we 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 all lost a really dear friend last week to 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 COVID and all of that, but. Sometimes I, sometimes I just want to look forward to stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've got this open list going. Stuff that we're going to do as a community, as a big industry, when this is over. And I just want to throw this out there, and I want people to add to the list. And, you know, any social media you're in, doesn't matter if, if, if you know, who, who, who's a – just get this stuff going. Do you remember the old I Am Charity events? Whenever we had a, like, oh. a, a convention, there'd be, like, this big charity event for children's hospitals? Yeah. How about SEO open golf tournaments to raise money for children's hospitals? Why don't we do that? Just, just because we can, when right. we all, all get together again. Yeah. Next conference, make it a plan with you and your friends, maybe, maybe, maybe with the organizers so you can get a favorable room rate to bookend a couple of days on either end of the conference so people can just hang out with each other. Because I don't know, I need that. This is, I, I, I love these Zoom conversations and stuff, but I'd love to hand you a drink sometime. That'd be really cool. It would be. I know I was reading an article earlier today talking about the, the impacts of all this, and I found it really interesting and, and, and very telling. Mary had actually shared it with uh, with me on Facebook. Um, and it was on actually the bit, one of the bigger costs being a the loss of entire sectors of friends. Um, oh, and yeah. one of those sectors being just the peripheral friends that we all have. We might not know their name, but we cheer when our team is winning and we cry together in a pint when our team is losing at the pub. And, and that's exactly the kind of engagements where you're, you're sort of talking about where, yeah, I'd love to get together with my friends like you and Jim's coming up here. Uh, the other Jim, uh, Jim Boyka, you know, but I do see you guys on Zoom. But there's this whole periphery of people I don't see and I'm not close enough to line up chats with, but and it would be almost awkward, but I'd love to see them and sit down and I could probably spend five hours gabbing SEO with them over a beer. We just yeah. don't end up talking together because we're not those kinds of friends on, on Zoom. So we're favoring our closest friends, but we're missing like 90% of our human engagement in a day. Well, I'm, we, we, I don't know, again, I can't speak for people in Radioland, but I really need that engagement back because yeah. I'm going stir crazy. Yeah. Next, I mean, this has been a really challenging time. I, I can't imagine how challenging this has been for other businesses. I know it's been challenging for mine and for the agencies I'm working with. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see development of a business of search marketing track in uh, in certain search conferences from now on. Like there's how to do search marketing and, you know, all that. But 
there's a whole scope of business thing, you know, um, a sense of business, a way things are done that I would love to, you know, just people share skills with each other. I, th I, th I think that would make it a stronger industry in the long run. And the last idea, and this is this is the last of my ideas, but I, I'm hoping people out there got ideas of their own. And this is probably the dumbest stuff of all. <laughs> SEO TV. What do you think? SEO TV. SEO TV. We we made a ra we, we we we've made a radio network of it for like 16, 17 years now. That is true. I don't know. Maybe it'll translate the visual <laughs> medium. <laughs> um, younger announcers, no doubt. <laughs> That's true. When they can see you. Um, you know, and then you've got to be dressed up nice every day. You know, all that sort of stuff. Um, no, I, I, I get where you're going. I would, would be sort of taking the, the sort of format of these uh, webinars and stuff like that. That we're all like, everybody's already yeah. producing sort of visual media and putting it all in one place at, at reliable times and you know just like wmr does uh with podcasting yeah so why not i mean we could easily do it we got the the, the materials out there we're all adept at making it right we just needs to be compiled and uh you know strung together and hopefully one of our listeners is like well yoink i'm gonna steal that idea and it's okay because i won't do it i'm busy running an agency <laughs> so go to town anybody who wants to do that um, just make sure Jim and I are invited. Uh, all right. Well, we got a lot of news, and I know we have a super exciting guest coming up here after the first break. Well, we got Jim Boykin coming up on uh, on Webcology, and just uh, just to uh, note, next week we have um, Michelle, oh, isn't it? We have Mich yeah, we have Michelle uh, Stinson Ross coming on next week to talk social. Um, Dave. I have to type our passcode to our guest who can't get into the studio. <laughs> All Curiosity, right. is there a particular piece of news that you love? <laughs> <laughs> I love so much news. Um, okay. Well, you know what? Right now we're going to cover, I, I got into a, a bit of a, a, a disagreement. Well, actually somebody else did, but I, I jumped in on, on the disagreement um, with Wikipedia gatekeeping about uh the results, uh, this results in Google feature. For anybody who doesn't know, over at SE Roundtable, they, they covered the story. Um, and it was a, um, uh, there's an article covering it over there. Basically, there's a, about this results feature that has been recently added um, into Google. And you can sort of hover over and, and get some additional details. Um, the reason that it's being called, or, or that they were called out, and this was, uh, came at uh, Danny Sullivan um, on, on Twitter, Miguel gatekeeping is what if you don't have a Wikipedia entry? What if you don't have the clout? All of a sudden, it's not that Google's being the gatekeeper, it's that Wikipedia is being the gatekeeper to this function as of right now. And I had to sort of agree. Now, Danny Sullivan rightfully came in so going, this isn't gatekeeping. Anybody can still do these clicks. And then I had to agree, though, with the point that there are a lot of companies that can't get. Uh, mm -hmm. Wikipedia entries where, where they'll be pulled and 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 having one that does versus one that doesn't is a lot like saying you know what I'm putting two cans on this shelf and one of them is going to be a dented can with the label ripped off and a sharpie marker talking about what it is and the other one's going to be a perfectly equipped can just sitting there and trying to convince somebody that the dented can has an equal right to be sold yes it is the same thing inside but the packaging is now different and so that does give Wikipedia a sort of control in this environment that, that isn't actually accurate. It's, it's not definitive in, in this context. So 
I, I know that this is just a beta feature. It is going to be remedied, but it was one of the stories that I had to go, yeah, this, this is a problem right now. And they probably should have figured this out before testing it because Wikipedia isn't an authoritative source in a lot of areas. Uh, indeed. Um, in Wikipedia, uh, have you read the articles about the infighting in the background at Wikipedia? I mean, um, <laughs> What do you think about the about this result feature that Google published? Um, to explain to the audience, in case they don't know, Google is now putting up a little toggle, um, top left uh, or top sorry, top right corner of the search results. Touch it, and it'll give you more information about the page and why Google ranked it that way. So, what, what, what do you think of that feature? I like it. Like at its core, like while I have a problem with sourcing right now for what it could be one day. Um, I actually quite like it. And I specifically like it, not really for sort of generic queries of like, where do I buy blue widgets? Um, but when I think about it from a publishing standpoint, from a news standpoint, from a spreading of BS information across the web kind of standpoint, it, it allows somebody to compare news sources or compare the reliability of of specific websites and, and web pages a lot better in, in my mind. Um, but as I say, right now it's it's quite limited. And in fact, in a lot of you know, important areas, I, I wouldn't trust Wikipedia for, for, for data, like get into high tech. I'm not trusting Wikipedia. What I want is like wire. Like, I mean, well, so many sources. I'm like, for a lot of them, the ones I'm thinking of, I'm like, what I want is Crunchbase, right? Like, where I'd want to see like, what's their funding? What's, you know, what, what are they really like a real company or, or something like that? Um, you know, when you're looking at certain things, but, um, but I think in its, in, in the kernel of the idea, it's a really, really good idea. Um, we'll just see, do they enhance the deployment of it and pull in from better sources, maybe based on, on specific, think health, is Wikipedia the best source for reliability on, on health websites? No, of course they're not. Financial websites, some, but not all, right? Like there's just so many holes in the way it's being implemented, but it's a great idea. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm inclined to agree with you. It reminds me a lot of what Facebook was trying to do with political posts, trying to um, sort of give people a source of, or a way to figure out the source of where this came from. Mm -hmm. um, for SEOs, study it for clues see if you can get a uh, a sense of what google thinks of a page based on um the uh, little pre-c review that it gives i haven't seen enough of them to make any impression i'm glad that they're there mm -hmm. and i'm sure that there's there's gleanable information in them um that they've achieved one is gleanable information for one thing right yeah speaking of there's another i mean that's it Symbolic language is so cool. Google's uh, Google's uh, Google and Facebook and all the and, and many of the large uh, tech houses are coming out with these little symbols for different things. Mm -hmm. And Google's coming out with one, the Google uh, sort of like a Google Experience Trust Mark. Mm -hmm. And I guess this tells um, people who are using their search engine if you're going to have a good experience on this web page or a crappy experience on this web page. So to get your Google experience, the Google experience trust mark, um, your core web vitals have to be together and you, you got to be scoring in the green zone on, on your core web vitals, not in the yellow or especially not in the red zone. You have to be mobile friendly, safe browsing, um, secure socket layer, 
and no interstitials. None of those uh, annoying little pop-ups that like interrupt the 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 the, the flow and the chi of somebody's uh, data experience. Yeah, that's so, the one I loved the most from my own personal. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, yeah, me too. I hate those. Like that just drives me crazy when yeah. you when, when you're reading something and suddenly like you scroll down two thirds, boom, your whole yeah. screen is is filled by this interstitial. So get rid of those core web vitals, safe products, and then you get your trust mark. Mm-hmm. Um, what was they said they had a date on that too? I think it was April first that was coming up, um, or be, near beginning of April. Which uh, and I and I do. Uh, Jim Boykin's going to be in soon. We do want to talk to him about core web, core web vitals. That's going to be a huge amount of fun moving towards May. Um, we got time for one more story. For we got to go to break. We're going to be coming back with uh, with Jim. I just got muted. You did. Now you're back. Oh, good. Thanks, Brasco. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Worth mentioning, we mention it quite frequently, but over at Search Engine Journal, Dave, you have a uh, article: the difference between Bert and Smythe. Yes, Smith. Well, sorry, Smith. Smith. Yep, always. Well, I, and and of course, like you've got Agent Smith from the Matrix, and now Google's coming up with an algorithm. We got, you know, I mean, this is just we we know how this story ends. Um, yeah, it's just it's just comparing both our our regular listeners. Um, will heard me sort of go on about this in 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 some ways. It's just sort of putting it in a more structured format with with images of just will smith be replacing bert the answer is no and the analogy i used in it was like yeah a bazooka will get you through your front door but a key is sometimes better right like yes it's a weaker tool quote unquote weaker tool um but it's still is the most efficient for for certain tasks um but sort of diving into what are these and why do they matter and mostly from our context why is is our understanding of them um, important. Like I, I do believe that everybody should know a little bit about how these systems actually function. Um, but most importantly is why they're functioning, what Google's going to do with them and, and what comes from, uh, comes from that after. And as, as I still understand this and then like, seriously, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Bert currently operating, trying to figure out what the heck you mean when you, when you put a, uh, query in, in, in into Google that, that Google hasn't seen before mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the, you know, match meanings between words um uh uh sma- how, how would you how, if you were to to, to to combine sem rush or sem rush <laughs> and smith would be smith or smith anyway um smith that's um going to be running slightly above bird is it not but they're going to be running concurrently like like cooperating with each other they will. Smith isn't in there yet. I, I expect, and this is just a guesstimate, I expect it to proceed just by a little bit because it's easier to change one thing at a time. Passage indexing, because it just naturally makes sense that it would be it would be part of passage indexing um, just because it's, it's long-form content and, and understanding it. Um, interestingly, Smith operates in a lot of the same ways um, as BERT does in its training models and actually leans on BERT. Um, and, and BERT systems in, in its tokenization and stuff at, at, at the earliest levels, like in, in the first few levels of, of because its Because BERT's telling it what it's perceiving. Exactly. And a lot of what it's doing is basically breaking up a bunch of sentences 
Um, and, and then sort of combine figuring them out independently. I'm simplifying here, but figuring them out independently and then grouping them together in one generalized understanding. At that sentence level, it's using basically BERT systems, right? Like to figure out that sentence, tokenize it, figure out what that turns into through its transformers. And then, and then it sort of compares all the transformers from larger set, like sort of blocks of data, combines them all together and goes, okay, now here's our understanding of, of things. So it, it's still using BERT, but when we think about how we use the internet, yes, we can have vast you know, pieces of content. We think of Wikipedia, but most of the things I look for, what's the weather like? Simple question, simple data point on the other side. This does not require Smith. This just requires Bert to go through and go, I saw the word weather and I saw the word what done. Okay, now means, find yeah. what it is. Yeah, and, and, and go from there. So most of our queries are still still going to be leaning on that. But I think it'll impact links so that, you know, we can chat about uh, on that. Well, we could gym. definitely chat about links um, with that. Uh, because you look at a bigger understanding of how this document connects to this document and in the larger scale. Oh, yeah, that's going to impact links. Okay, well, Google search results, more than meets the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting on that one for like 10 minutes now. Okay, <laughs> we got to go. We got to take a break, but we're going to be coming back with uh, with the uh, the SEO Ninja, Jim Boykin. Friends, you are listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is Thursday, the 4th of February, 2021. We got some messages, but stick around. We're coming back with Boykin in just a few minutes. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony, trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And we are joined by the one and only Jim Boykin from the Internet Marketing Ninjas. Jim Boykin, welcome to Webcology. My pleasure. You know, I, I used to listen to the radio show when I, when I used to commute to work. It was part of my morning commute to listen to the latest Webcology show. And, and uh, now I've been driving to work. So it's like, you know, I'm really glad to be on the show. I got, I got a lot of catching up to do as well. But yeah. Any well, excuse to get you to listen, man. Any excuse to get you to listen. <laughs> no, it's it cool to see you guys a couple nights ago, too. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it was, uh, the uh, SEO Buddies group on Facebook holds a uh, 
as a conversation and um jim joined us last uh last week it was just tuesday and yeah it was wonderful seeing you what do you how are you that these these groups that have formed in the industry um they're a reaction to to being shut in and covid and you know having a hard time getting out there to communicate start right off how are you doing how are you coping with all this well thanks for asking it's uh it's different. You know, I, I get it now more. You know, we, we always had, everyone had to work in our office. Uh, there was no telecommuting. And, you know, I, I get it now more, you know, the people that might be more lonely when you're not always with that group setting and those groups of people. I, I get it now. <laughs> I get it a lot more now. Did you, did you used to have, uh, I guess, remote employees tell you that they were feeling a little depressed or a little away from the team and you, you never quite we, got what they were getting at? We never allowed. We never allowed remote remoting. Oh. Like you had to be, I, I was so for you've got to be in the office. You got to be part of that team. You got to be there. Um, that remote really was never an option. Um, when people think of the Internet Ninjas, at least when I think of the Internet Ninjas, I also often think of these group picks. You get like 20, 30 people um, in, uh, in, in uh, uh, just like a class photo quite frequently. That's, that's how large your staff <laughs> is. Um, how big a difference is it not to, um, not to have everybody assembled in one place? I think I, I'm really, really glad that the average ninja, so we got 40 ninjas, the average time that someone has been an employee is pretty close to nine years now. Wow. And so I feel really lucky in that, you know, I, I think it would have been harder to start from scratch. You know, I'm glad that we all have that experience. We all know each other on a personal level. Um, you, you know, they, they, I, I guess we know each other better. We're not just maybe a face on a screen. We know about each other's families. They've been there a long time. So I think that it was easier for us. You know, we started out, it, it was a huge change, but I think when, when it first started, we were, we were one of the first to shut the office down and send everyone home. We started preparing for it in January, actually. We started buying laptops for all the employees and getting them all set up. I had a feeling that it was going to be a big thing. And so in January, we were setting up everyone with laptop computers just in case we had to send everyone home. Sure enough, that happened. And we quickly made changes where there's there's a lot more meetings. And you know, you know what's the craziest thing is I do all the employee yearly reviews. And one of the most common thing that I would hear in the past about reviews, you know, there's always like, what are the things that I can do to help improve the company? And a lot of it was always like, we want better communication. And since Corona happened and everyone went home, but there's, you know, there's team meetings on a daily basis. I'm with every team every 10 days. There's a weekly meeting where I'm in with everyone that they're actually saying now that our strong point is communication. We actually communicate more now than we did when we were uh, all together in one building, so to speak, because they're all hearing kind of the big news of everything. Um, whereas before, you know, like all team meetings were like once every few months, I'd pull everyone in, kind of give some speech and walk away. Now it's like every week I've got an hour with everyone. And so, you know, it's very candid. It's, it's more open. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's different, but I think we adjusted really good. You know, there's always the, are you doing too many meetings or are you doing not enough? And kind of one of the things that I've realize is that people do need that communication and 
I don't think we're doing it too much. You know, each team meets each day for anywhere from 15 minutes to probably 45 minutes. Um, and then I'm meeting with every, once every 10 days, I'm in on everyone's meetings that day. We have an internal blog. I guess there's lots of communication now. So I guess when all of it happened, the communication and then my role changed a lot. And I think we made some good moves so that we're, it's always trying to keep everyone together. You know, I, I had to give a weekly talk yesterday to all the ninjas, uh, my weekly talk. And I had been sent a link from the head of HR saying, you should, you should open yourself up on a personal level for the changes that you're going through um, so that other people can feel open to whatever. And so it's like, all right, how do you open yourself up, but be positive. And it was a whole interesting thing, but it, you know, it went good with, you know, when certain, when I'm feeling these certain things, here are my plans to make that better. Here's what I need to do. Here's what I need from you. And, you know, I guess it's, it's gotten even more personal now, even with the meetings. And so it's like, ruling by even more love, you know, we are family, don't let down your brother. <laughs> so moving forward then, like this, this too shall pass. We were talking about that earlier. Like, you know what, I, I've, I've got a, a trip for the, for the 27th of November to Mexico on the books right now. Fingers crossed. I also had it for last May, but you know, so, so it's optimism, but you know, we're all hoping that, that, you know, we're, we're getting through this. What, then like this, this is a very interesting story and we got to get to seo yeah. here at some point because oh, but I, i'm really interested in this um is well all of our okay, employees are wondering yeah like all the employees are all wondering are we going to get an office again right and when i shut down the office um i i said because yeah i had a feeling it was going to be a year or two and i said if you if you want to move um you can and if we ever decide we're going to go into a building again you'll be grandfathered in, you know, you can stay wherever you've moved. And of course that was opening up a Pandora's box for someone who insisted you have to be at our location Monday through Friday, nine to five. Um, and I think we've had seven employees move. So what, seven out of 40. <laughs> and we hired Datlev who was West coast as well. So our first kind of remote hire, so to speak. Um, but you know, can I put it all back together inside of the box because now I'm missing pieces. And you know, I'm not sure if we're gonna, you know, I, I haven't fully decided. I know that when we ran the math of how much the office cost, um, it was a lot. Of money. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, when I talked to the employees the other day, it was, you know, the employees get bonuses and the bonuses are based on how well the company does and our profits. And, you know, a lot of people were like, hey, we really want to get an office again. And I'm like, I, I, I get that. If, if you knew that you were going to get, let's just throw out a number, $2,000 less because of the expenses to the office cuts into our bottom line, there's less money left over to give everyone. If you knew you were going to make $2,000 less, would you still want to be inside an office building? And, you know, some people were like, well, yeah, maybe for 2000, I don't want an office. You know, <laughs> asked to in the ride, but they're God, what's the price of friendship here, eh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of neat because, you know, the better we do, the more that they get in bonuses. So it keeps them aware of, you know, hey, do we, how many parties do we want to have this year? <laughs> 
Right. But then if they found that they and their whole team worked so much better in an office, they would go, yeah, I'll go in the office because I'm actually going to make more than that 2000 Yes, yeah. that cost me 2000 but I'll make that up in productivity later. Yeah. You know, it's for some people, I think it is easier to work in the office. You know, if you got kids or whatever your situation is, sometimes you probably are getting better work, but you know, sometimes there's not. Sometimes people just work Saturdays and lates and do whenever, which I've been incredibly, uh, pretty much I've told them, you know, you work whenever you work. I really don't care if you get your 40 hours in. I don't care if it's Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Right. Um, as the boss, as, as a guy who runs the operation, um, thinking about the two different um, environments, the virtual environment and the in-office environment, do you feel you're more on top of things now or is it harder to be more on top of things in a virtual environment? There's pros and cons. Nothing beats, you know, uh, let's say I'm on team A and team B is, is needs to edit something. Nothing beats getting out of your desk and going over to team B and saying, hey, let me show you something or whatever. And that face to face, um, it's a little bit different. And when there's more chats or emails, it turns into, you know, B, you, fuck, you messed up on this or whatever. And, you know, the, the communication isn't quite as good as that in person. Um, but I think if everyone's, you know, careful on how they say and take deep breaths before they communicate with the texting, rather, you know, you don't text someone you wouldn't go up and say to their face, so to speak. Or, and I'm guilty as well. Like, I got to watch my tone it, it sometimes as well. Um, but, um, overall it's working. It's actually working better than I thought. You know, I was, I was the most anti, you are not going to work from home. That is not an option. Like everyone would always ask, how about Fridays? I've ever nope, 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 nope. You have to be in our office. Like you swipe your thumbprint when you walk in and you swipe it when you walk out, like no, no options. And for someone who was so against it, because I really wanted that team thing, Mm-hmm. I think we're actually doing, we're doing better than I thought. Like we haven't missed a beat with the work. They're performing the work. They're working together. It's not like everything is perfect. I guess some problems go away and you get some new problems, but overall we're, we're able to do, we're able to do all the work that we need to do. Um, and it's not slowing us down. And I guess the communication is better. I guess there's a lot of reasons why maybe I shouldn't get another office. It's especially when I look at the money, I don't know if I would start a new business from scratch you know, if I was going to hire a whole bunch of people, I might want to have them back in, but I'm really not looking to grow. And I don't know. I mean, start a new business from scratch. As I understood it, you just did start a new business from scratch. (laughs) I meant to ask later, but I got to ask now. I'm I'm so curious about it. What's this hologram thing? (laughs) Um, Well, I, I, a while ago, I ran across this company that uh, makes holograms and I was really intrigued by it. And so I sent off uh, an email like the sales form and a contact salesman. And this was something like 1130 at night. And 15 minutes later, I get an email from someone that says, hey, what are you looking to use it for? And I exchange back and I get another email and I realized and then I look at the signature and I realize it's the CEO and I'm like, Oh, I'm actually talking with the CEO of the hologram company and um, ran into that one. And actually another company that I won't get into yet. Cause I haven't made it public yet, but there's, okay. there's another company that I ran into that actually complements it incredibly well. And, you know, when I realized, you know, and so I kind of asked them if they were looking for uh, investors and, 
they were. And so I ended up uh, investing in two, two companies that complement each other. There's holograms and then another company kind of, uh, we could say it stores, stores stories on computers and uh, they actually really complement each other. So I invested in both of the companies, which um, is interesting. I guess it's really interesting, and, and I do feel that the future of these are going to be incredible. I mean, like in, in a sense, there's so many, there's so much potential for this. Oops, my headphones came out. But like, I don't have to go to a conference again. You know, I could say if I wanted to speak at PubCon, they could just roll the hologram machine on stage, and I can be at home, and I can give the presentation live, and they see me inside of the box on stage. I've got a camera on the front with a computer. So if like someone were to raise their hand and ask a question, I could be like, yeah, you with the blue shirt, what's your question? You know, and like they see me full size live on stage. Um, you know, when all the coronavirus stuff is over or whatever, I'm also, I, I have a whole recording studio that I built as well. So like I want to get um, musicians and entertainers and stuff that I can record to put in the hologram. Uh, it's just, there's so many benefits of it, you know, and Tim Draper is also, he's, uh, he's one of the biggest investors in that hologram company as well. So it's nice that uh, the only investor that's put in a tiny bit more than me is Tim Draper. Um, and he's got, he's got, how do I say, he's got a lot of money. <laughs> he's a billionaire. So <laughs> I feel good that one of the other investors is a billionaire, but um, it's really, really exciting. Um, no. I can see this. I can see the the tie-in with some of your other involvements in the industry. Um, you are still involved with. Are you still involved with PubCon, yeah? And with uh, Webmaster World. Yeah. So I I bought Webmaster World. Was it 2015? Yeah, somewhere in there. And then like five years later, I sold them back to Brett. Um, so I I still. Uh, still occasionally help out with webmaster world a lot of the site that you see there was built by or I mean, originally built by us we built a lot of the new features and stuff on there so but yeah it was a uh, fun to run all of those but at one point you realize you can't you can't take on everything you know yeah. uh we got really big then and uh, had a lot of things that it needed a lot of my time. The nice things about the hologram company and the other company that I've invested in is that they're already running themselves. Like, and I can just come in and be, a, and be, and be an advisor. And, you know, for both of them, we're helping out with their marketing, which is interesting. Um, Cause I know that the more that I market these companies, the quicker their value will go up, the more money that my percentage of that company will be. And that's the joy of those sorts of scenarios. It's actually one of the joys that I find in a lot of things. Marketing is the more money you make, the more money people want to give you, right? In, in some capacity <laughs> or another. So like, it's like, oh, okay, the more successful I am, the more you want to give me. It just sort of works out the, as, as an ideal job. And that, and certainly if you're a major shareholder and yeah, if you've got to be beaten in share stake in a company, yeah, being beaten by a billionaire is all right. I mean, if you've got to be beaten. <laughs> you know, to, to, to sort of pull this back to back to search for a second, and one of the cool things I, I, I just noticed looking at the uh, the Zoom uh, co uh, conversation that we're having the, the the screens here, there's over 60 years of SEO experience in, in this conversation right now. It's been a long, strange trip um, to to steal a line from from the Grateful Dead. Jim, how did you uh, you started before the turn of the century? Did you not? Yeah, I started the company in 99. 
March, March of 99. So this will be about uh, 22 years. When did it really catch traction? Like you start, you, you started uh, before Google. Yeah, in, in December of 2002. <laughs> I used to know the exact date. Google did it. I was targeting the phrase internet marketing. And I'd been targeting it for like three months. You know, I ran all this keyword research stuff and, and uh, there was back, I think it was web position gold, the like <laughs> metric that kind of said, based on the number of results here, are your odds of which phrases you should target. And I think like internet marketing was at the, the worst scale, like the highest number, like do not target this phrase, like target something like best search engine positioning company or something like that. There's less results for that. But in any case, I was like, yeah. So I remember being like, you know what, I, I'm going to go for the internet marketing phrase. So I went from like nowhere to like 240 to number 80 to 20 something to number two and Google and Yahoo, I think that's when they were both the same. So it was like, suddenly I went to number two for internet marketing. Um, and I was, I had just moved into, uh, out of my home office, it was just me into a building with another company. They were a design company and they said, if I gave them free consulting, they'd give me a office space. So it was just me and I put their phone number on the my website and their phones ringing all day long with people and they're like jib 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 i ended up hiring <laughs> a handful of them like it, it changed the company overnight has there ever been a point where you want to throw your hands up and say screw this i'm out of here I'm, I'm, I'm done with this business no no uh because i'm i guess two reasons I don't have enough money to start another career. I'm really good at this and it's making me a lot of money. And so I want to continue to make it until I'm like, all right, I have enough or I don't need to worry about whatever. And, and I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm on my way there though. Um, side note, a few months ago, I put most of my money into uh, cryptocurrency just across the board and yummy. But where was I? Um, well, okay, Can I, if, if, if you don't mind, and this is like, way wide open question oh. but we're you know of that age have you ever thought of retiring um yeah i i have and it's like i look at it with two ways because i know what it would happen i would retire and i would get incredibly lonely like there's nothing better than you know in the old days it was coming into work and everyone like jim 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 and what do you feel wanted and if i retired and no one said jim 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 i'd be like why doesn't anyone want me anymore like i don't know um you know i know i would i'd need therapy or something you know <laughs> um so i guess i'm not ready to retire have i thought about it yeah you know maybe if an you know five or five or 10 years, I guess. I, I don't think I'd be going more than 10 years uh, as early as five years, um, but I'd have to have, you know, enough of my bank account. You know, I guess if cryptocurrency and, you know, the stocks that I hold continue to go, hey, great, you know, <laughs> but I, but, it, but, he, but even at that point, I guess there's, you know, that, hey, I have enough money to where like, I don't give a fuck about money and like, sorry, I swore, but like, you know, if a client comes on and gives me a hard time, I might just be like, you're not fun to work with, you're fired. You know, like sometimes, you know, and you have that to some extent now, but I guess, you know, if someone's paying a lot of money, you tend to put up with a lot of stuff. But it's like, if you're, you know, I'd, I'd love to reach the stage where money's not a concern. 
And I'd be like, I don't care if I made money or lost money. I go to work every day and off <laughs> we'll play and stuff. You know, we, we've started a couple of our own sites as well internally at, at Ninjas. So we, we started a couple of our own sites um, where we're building them up to be these huge resources. And then the thought is kind of later, we semi flip them, so to speak, to, oh, you should buy whatever. But right now they're just these resource sites that are collecting tons of citations and doing studies and stuff. And um, so is, I guess. Uh, is, this, is this some of the stuff that you were showing off the other night? That link tool was pretty sexy. <sighs> yeah, the it's not. They're different, but oh, it was so tools. It's, it's not the same, tool, but it was sexy. Come on, it was sexy. I think we're so. Let me, let me just. I'll talk about that briefly because it is worth talking about for SEO stuff. Because I think a lot of people, this is where they make their mistake in link building. So here we'll jump into SEO. Oh, well, we're going to talk about SEO. Okay, people might expect <laughs> that of us eventually. You know? <laughs> so. A couple of nights ago, we happened to be at a, in an SEO buddy meeting. And because I knew all the people who were in there, I said, let me, you know, hey, do you guys want to see my link analysis tool that's not public? And so I, I showed there, I, I can't show it here. It's not public. That's but right what here. we've done is everyone, all the, all the major companies that sell links or sell guest blog posts or, uh, you know, have databases of spreadsheets where you can get links and uh, people that advertise on it and all those emails I get like about every day I get about two emails saying we can get you guest blog post on sites of a DA between this and that or whatever and I always well not me but I, I send it to one of my buddies and my buddy writes to them with an email that doesn't have anything to do with ninjas and says yes we have a finance site we've got an education site we got a something site send us over a whole bunch of links in your database so we can you know look them over and we take those and we feed them into our link analysis tool so we'll be like you know uh link seller bob you know we'll give each person you know a name and then we put in the urls of the stuff they gave us and then from that list of urls we then have by the way, uh, an ex an ex Googler. He worked for Google for seven years. Um, who's been with me the past I don't know four to five years. But we can take that small database and based on who all those sites link out to, and all the backlinks going into the site, we can find the rest of the sites within their network. And so I have a list of like not only Bob's network of sites that we absolutely know of, but here's the rest of the suspected sites in Bob's network. We also have a list for each buyer of the 100 most suspected, uh, or sorry, of sellers. So each seller also, we have a list of the 100 most suspected buyers for each seller. And it shows like, here's the number of links that they have that are known or suspected within each network. We track them on a monthly basis as well. So we actually have charts of all of them, which is what I was showing last night. So we can see when networks get hit or filtered, like you suddenly see, at X point, all the sites da, 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 of all the buyers, you know, or and it's often where like Google has filtered stuff out. Um, and often sites that aren't just in one person's link seller network are often in everyone's because everyone's writing to bloggers saying, can we write a guest blog post for your site or we'll write some relevant content, you know, and everyone's burying the link in there. <laughs> so people are thinking there, but it's like, and any site that emails them from any of the networks, if they're like, yes, they say yes to everyone. So it's like, you can also see not only the sellers inside of each network, but like 
all of these sites, which all of the networks that they're in. So it's like we've mapped out the sellers. So whenever I do a link analysis, which I think is different than anyone else in the world, you know, because other people are looking at, most people are looking at the wrong metrics, domain authority or page authority, and they're, you know, you know, or toxic or not. They're, they're making decisions based off of tools that are that aren't looking at are you in the link buying networks <laughs> there you know all right here's a bunch of duplicate ips of stuff that google already knows or duplicate pages i sure there's all those filters and i have all those filters in my tools but i can click on you know let's see the mapped out of link sellers and i can take like any site put it into the tool and after it runs i can tell you if they're buying links and if so from which network like it stands out like you can see all the numbers and every site is going to have links from link sellers it's kind of like spam and scrapers and stuff like you're going to get some no matter what because those sites don't only link out to the buyers they link out to real sites as well so everyone is going to have some but when you look at you know the number of known and suspected links that you have from each seller and it's like you know 7 14 3 4 seven, 12, you know, uh, 32, 157. <laughs> you're like, ah, you know, I know where you're buying from. In fact, I can click on them and here they are. These are all the ones in those networks. Um, so I just, you know, for the past, I don't know, three plus years, we've been collecting all of the, all the sites. We just continue to collect any new person, anyone that emails us, anyone that anything, we just throw it into our tool and map everything out. Phenomenal. I remember, uh, you know, I, re I remember back in, uh, in, I think 2006, maybe 2007, you were just starting to make your move and build, build the ninjas as a larger agency. And, uh, you were working a lot with links. Um, you and me had a, had a meeting that involved a cord out Apple and some fabric softener in, in a hotel room. And you told me about this amazing link scheme. And it was, my head was just just swimming with it. And uh, a few hours later, we all find ourselves at a reception. This is at an, uh, a search conference. I think it's in San Jose. And we, we all find ourselves at a search conference. And Miley from Google comes over and she 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 corners me at a table and she sits me down. And I'm just like, oh, wow, Miley's paying attention to me. I, I must have been doing something reading. I must have wrote a smart article or something. Oh, my God. And she looks at me. And she's like, Jim, I want to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Well, what's up? What's Jim Boykin up to? Oh my God! I didn't tell her. I'm afraid. I, I I didn't have any 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 information to give her because I'm not a rat. But uh, that was up. Was prior to 08. I was probably buying a lot of links. <laughs> that was that was the the, the in November the, 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 of 08. I was kind of told in so many words, "Thou shalt not buy links." <laughs> Well, they, they were in the bad for being hit so early on and being Google's example of thou shalt not buy links. So they were most most certainly on to you at that time. Yeah. They just yeah. didn't know what they were on to. <laughs> so what yeah. about links in SEO today? This is like that that, that was in uh, 2006 or whatever. This is 2021. Google's um evolved substantially. Um just from from what you said a few moments ago, the the business of link acquisition has evolved substantially. What role do links play uh, today? Um, you know, there's still a huge role. You know, but the question is, is I guess it's a different game. You know, the old game still works. Yeah, you get exact match anchor text to your money pages. Woo! 
you know, that, that still works. Um, but I guess it's, are you, you know, that of course carries a risk with it. Um, and so I guess it's, it's stuff that I'm not going to do. Like, do you really want to risk your site? You know, maybe some people do, but so I guess it's, it's evolved nowadays to, you know, it's interesting. I think Google has just been starting to admit that there is a domain, uh, I don't want to say domain authority, but there is like, a, <laughs> but they used to always be like, everything is page level, page level, page level. There's no domain level. And then I think some of the public documents got released. I know Rand talk, talked about it as well. And they're now saying, yeah, there is a little bit something to that domain authority aspect. But, you know, I guess the game has changed, at least in my eyes, to where, you know, I guess, and maybe it's the stuff more that we do, but, you know, writing that trust-based content or that link-based content or creating tools or widgets or something like creating, creating neat add-ons to a site and then promoting that to try and get the links to that, I guess is more of the stuff that we're doing nowadays. You know, the other option is, you know, people are like, I'm going to write a, a guest. I'm going to get a bunch of guest blog posts or I'm going to find a bunch of bloggers. And that's something we do. I don't even write to bloggers. I don't trust bloggers. Like you're just going to get down a rabbit hole of someone's network, you know, unless you've heard of the site. So if you're in X industry, sure, there's 10 bloggers, you know, of if you write to them and say, can I write a post for your site? And they say, yes, hey, great. But it's like, if you're presented with a list from some broker that says like, I've got a spreadsheet of 30,000 bloggers and oh you're in the finance space you know we have we have you know a thousand bloggers in that space and we'll get you on there and it and a lot of people get it they're like great i'll get that and it'll link to my money page and and they run to their boss and they're like hey boss look you know we got this fine you know we got a, a a finance blogger to write about us and isn't this a great article you know we wrote that article as well and and here's the money link and everyone's like oh yeah that's great until you realize that well the thing that no one realizes except for google and me is that you know that site is in this network you know and it can be mapped and it's not just your site that's getting links from all those it's a whole bunch of other seo sites someone's going to screw up enough so the google's going to look at the map out of the network and you're going to be in that too you know and all those sites are hollow like they may have domain authority or page authority in the eyes of Mazda majestic hrefs but you can actually pass back where their power is coming from. You know, they're everyone's private blog networks all like that. So it's like, you know, their power is this and can be mapped and who they're linking out to can be mapped as well. And, you know, those are the wrong kind of links. So a lot of people I think are trying to do that. They're going to influencers because they got a high, you know, domain authority or whatever. And it's like, no, those bloggers are just artificial stuff. And some of it works until it doesn't and all of it can be mapped if i can map it google can map it and i'm mapping it and i'm sure google has a lot more engineers than i do they can map it even better but i forgot what the question was but. <laughs> something i i've got to ask because we've got on like an authority on on link stuff who's been the authority for you know a couple decades now um you you've got a, an outstanding tool and then that got me thinking oh when i'm on the on the show because that's like a that's a gym tool that, that, you know, you, you and some ninjas get to use what sort of public facing, if you were picking just a one or two or, or a handful, pick as many as you like of the sort of more public majestic AA, you know, those ones, which tools do you think are worth, worth looking at? So the way that, the way that our, our private internal tool works is we grab data from Moz, majestic, fresh, majestic, historic, Ahrefs, 
there's another database called SEO Kicks in Germany that we use. Uh, when doing a link analysis, we also look at the referral link data from analytics. So we hook up our tool with the analytics and we pull all the referral uh, click links from the analytics and count those as backlinks to look at that. And then we'll download the backlinks from the Google Search Console. And if you say, well, which of those is the best? It's really hard to say because they're all little tiny different slices right. of a whole. And, you know, I guess the big pie is, you know, what's in Google search result? What are stuff that Google knows about? But, you know, in Search Console, they're only showing you a piece. Um, and then Maz Majestic and Ahrefs all have their own little slice. So whenever we show links, we show did Maz Majestic Ahrefs, like which places found it? And it's like, as you go through links, you'll see a, here's a whole bunch that only one of them found. And here's a whole bunch that only another found. Here's some that two found. And it's like, to me, it's like they're all little pieces. And, you know, we, we can certainly debate is Ahrefs better than Majestic or how's Maz these days or, you know, whatever. I guess like it depends on what site it is. You know, I can run the backlinks for one site and Ahrefs will show a whole bunch more than anyone else. And then I can run another site and it's like, oh, Majestic got a whole bunch of these. And, you know, I can run another one and Maz does. But, you know, some of them ran into like mm, spam holes and then a bunch of their stuff in the result that's junk actually anyways. And <laughs> it, they're all pieces. But that, you know, let me. So what do you, what do you use? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting thing and you guys can take it for whatever. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell this a quick story. So which of those resources do you use when analyzing backlinks to do a disavow? You know, there's also tons of other places. You can throw in tons of places. They'll all have little slices, you know, but which ones do you use to do a disavow? And we brought up this question to Google for years during conferences. We're probably running out of time, three minutes, super quick. So which one do you use? So we brought it up to Google like over the years, like Google, which one should we use to use a link analysis? And they'd be like, use the search console. And we'd be like, why? That's just a sample of your backlinks. And they'd be like, use the search console. It's all you need. And we'd be like, are you out of your minds? And we'd say that for a couple of years. And the end of last, last year, the end of what, 19 into 20 as well, two of the Google reps like at a conference were asked that and they said Google search had it. We had a billion dollar company that came to us one day and they said, we've been hit by a manual penalty from Google and we want a really small disavow. So I uh, looked over their site. They had 12 main folders. I found the folder that was hit the most. I analyzed the backlinks. I sent them over a list. There was like, here's the ones you need to disavow. They said, that's way too big. We need a smaller one. And I'm like, wow, I just did that one folder. And so I said, all right, let me just look at the backlinks the Google search console shows for this folder. And it came out to like 249 sites. It was incredibly small. And I sent them over that and said, this probably won't work, but send them over this. And I helped to write the reconsideration request. They got out of the penalty um, with only disavowing the links that Google was shown for, through Google Search Console. Which would, is would, that, would that experience make you want to replicate that? Would you, would you try that again? When I, yes, I do it all the time. If, especially if I'm doing a preventative disavow, if like a site hasn't been hit, all that I'm usually going to do in there is like, just show me the backlinks that show up in Google search console and show me the ones that I know are paid and all those that are in Google search console and that are paid. And that I see have been penalized, which is going to be about half of them. I'm going to disavow those. And maybe so that, even the other half as well. Like, hey, if you're ever in trouble, these are the paid ones. But damn, I, I wish we had more time in this conversation. Yeah. That begs the question, is Google putting those examples up for a specific reason? 
You mean if you get turned down for a manual or for a manual search penalty and they're like, here's a couple of example links? Well, yeah. Like, why is Google publishing these ones in Search Console and not other ones? Oh, oh, oh. I've been dying to actually do studies about that and publish it. Um, that's a great question. It could even be shown <laughs> yeah. as a sample. Um, you know, if, if you're doing a reconsideration and claim you're really dumb, be like, I downloaded the backlinks from Google Search Console or it's 50,000 that came from, I don't, I don't know. I'll let you guys go. Yeah, I got one last quick question on the, on the way out and we're, we're, we're killing for time here. Google said, I think this was just after they uh, released Penguin, that um, they're ignoring crap links. They're ignoring links that, that, that have uh, no energy to them or that are even yeah. spammy links. They don't care. Yep. What's the purpose to a disavow if, it, if Google doesn't care? Um, great question. It's the vast majority of the cases, what seems to be is, you know, people, people buy links or get them within the network and there's the initial until Google kind of maps it. And then it, it seems like sites are blocked from passing PR. So as Google finds networks, what appears to be is like all those sites, the PR is blocked from passing. So it's kind of like no one's penalized. There's just nothing being passed. And so no one really knows anything like, hmm, my rankings have been going down a lot, but nothing immediate or whatever. And so what is the purpose? To me, I've certainly have probably about 20% of the people that I sit down to do a disavow with. I end up telling them that here's your money back and you don't really need a disavow. There's no issue here. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm different than other people. I think there's a lot of people that like, they're like, we go through every single link. You know, you got 50,000 backlinks coming from 5,000 websites. We're going to go through every single link and we're going to look at every one. And if it smells fishy, we're going to disavow it. And it's like, they go, what, 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 what. And it's like, those drive me nuts. Like I go through, like, if you're not penalized, all that I want to do is like, are you buying links? You know, and if you are, you know, if I see you're in a network, I want to remove enough stuff so that I'm not worried that you're going to get a manual penalty. We, you know, I, this is horrible. I'm sorry about this, Jim, because I want to keep going so badly, but we are out of time. we got another show coming up right behind us. Can we get you to come on again sometime soon? Of course. Anytime. Thank you so much. Friends, that was Jim Boykin from the, from the Internet Marketing Ninjas. I would love to give a long exit thank you to him, but we don't got time to do that. We do got time to remind you, COVID is real. Wash your hands. We're a mass distance from each other. We're going to beat this thing, but only if we work together. Don't infect your neighbors, please. Let's, 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 let's try to wipe this out by, by the end of summer or something. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology on Webmaster Radio on WMR.FM. It is the 4th of February, 2021. Be safe, rank well, be kind to each other. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM.